All right, so, um, can you tell me something I really didn't need to know? Hey, Mom, tell me something I didn't need to know. So how about let's learn something we really don't need to know. Okay, we're ready. We're ready? We're ready. All right. Ready, Freddy? Okay. Ready, Betty? Yeah. Ready, Eddie? It's like a whole group of us here. Sure. <laughs> okay. Welcome to Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know, those of you who are joining us. We appreciate you being here, and Hannah's speechless. She's got nothing. Hi, I'm Hannah Green. I'm Mary Swartz. Yeah, yeah. Wow, why are you so speechless? When I get to my tidbit, you'll know. Oh, all right. Welcome to Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know, uh, where we fill your brain full of information that you never knew you didn't, or maybe did, need to know. What if it was life-changing? It might be. What if someone who listened to your story last week changed their life because of your story? They quit smoking banana peels. They are no longer part of Banana Dime. Banana Dime. Dime. Yeah. That too. Mm-hmm. Well, if they're high on banana peels, they really can't say it right. So they have, they have, they no longer find banana mania appealing. Yes, they stopped listening to Mellow Yellow too. Either that, or maybe now they only get off to Mellow Yellow. <laughs> that was bad. Just say it. All right. Anyway, I don't know where we were going with all of this. It could be life-changing. It could. Sure. Okay. All right. All right. You want a tidbit? Yeah. No, I want you to tell fact, me a fact. Fact. I want you to tell me a fact. Fact. Russie Taylor and Wayne all Wayne Alwyn tied the knot in 1991. Okay. You want to know why that's important? What knot did they tie? The wedding knot. The knot of marital bliss. The knot of holy matrimony. The knot of till death do us part. Okay. Rusty Taylor and Wayne Alwyn are the voices of Mickey and Minnie Mouse. Oh, I did know that. Did you know that? I did know that they did get married. Yeah. Yeah. Aw. Did you know that every year more people die in vending machine accidents than shark attacks? What? Yes. Nobody dies in a vending machine accident. The The machine has to actually fall on you. Yes, it happens. <gasps> oh, because they're shaking it, trying yes. to get shit out. Yep. So more people die from vending machine accidents than shark attacks every oh, year. Oh, my God. Yes. It's in the herd. And, yes, the majority of them die because they were trying to rock and shake the machine. And they actually tip it over on themselves. This is me shaking my head because I got nothing. Because people are stupid. Well, we knew that. We knew that. All right. You have a tidbit? Yeah. All right. In the great state of Florida, sometimes things tend to get really weird really fast. Not just in Florida, trust me. Even a simple trip to the fishing pier can turn into a surreal adventure. If you've been smoking banana peels. Ooh, yeah. And what if you caught an arm? Shark with an arm. Uh, that was a different didn't you story. Do a, I was going to say, you, yes, you, you I did. did this story. Yes, I did. Anyway, this unnamed man, man who does not want to be named, went fishing on a pier one night. Came up with um, something a little bit less than he expected. A little less, not yeah. a little more. He was probably hoping, you know, for maybe a trout or bass or something that he could throw on the grill and have dinner with. He was a little disappointed when he actually hooked a cursing drunk woman. Oh my God. We are going to identify her. 
Alexandria Turner. Yeah. He hooked Alexandria Turner, who's 22 years old, and apparently she didn't appreciate it and started cursing at him. Oh, gee, you think? Apparently she bit his line, and then she swam off with it. None of this is making any sense in my head. Attempts to bring her in themselves didn't help, so of course they called the police. Police arrived. She's still swearing, and she's still yelling and shouting. And, and she's still in the water. In the water, so they haul her up on the pier and take her off to jail to face charges of disorderly intoxication and resisting arrest. And hopefully our unknown fishermen can now catch something a little friendlier. <laughs> wow. Like, how do you not see someone out there in the water? I'm not really sure. Was she underwater? I, I don't know. Was it dark? I, it just kind of said late summer. Okay. Didn't really say what time of day. Well, I've got one for you. All right. So there's a man in Idaho. Yeah. His name is David Rush. And he actually, do you know what STEM education is? No. I recently, back just yesterday, did a little research on stem cell transplants, but uh, I don't believe that has anything to do with STEM, STEM education. It's, I think, a way of learning. Um, hang on, I'm trying to pull up what it means. Because I know what part of what it stands for. I just don't know what the E stands for. Oh, okay. Science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Okay. 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 You'd think as the daughter of an engineer, I'd have known that the E was engineering. I knew, I knew all the rest of them. I couldn't remember the E. All right. So he, he breaks Guinness World Records okay. to promote STEM education. Oh, good. Good for him. He has more than 250 Guinness World Records Damn. to his name. Damn. And he recently <clears throat> broke another record. Okay. And I think that I would like to hire this man to come and do this at my house. Make martinis? Make uh, margaritas? He... Vacuums? He folded 31 t-shirts in 60 seconds. Holy shit! Yeah. That man snatched up. He's not coming to your house. He's already been snatched up. The record to beat was 23. Any man that does laundry to start with is a winner. So, here's the thing. He already has the title for hanging t-shirts. <laughs> And donning t-shirts, putting them on. I, I know what donning okay. is. I do, I do. So now he he has another record. The record to beat was 23. He experimented with different techniques to figure out what the fastest way to fold them was. God, his fans, hands must be so fast. I'd like to find out. <laughs> I bet you would. <laughs> so he ultimately landed on the method of fold one arm in, fold the other arm in, and then fold the bottom up. Okay. That's what he, uh... That's what they do in stores. Well, I don't think they fold as fast as he does. Nope, they do not. 31 shirts, 60 seconds. Damn. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And there is actually video of it, and it's pretty pretty impressive, honestly. So, yeah. That's cool. But yeah, this guy has more than 250. That is freaking awesome. I know, right? Love it. Yeah, that's what I thought. All right. All right. Ready for a story? story? I do. All right. Bring us a story, Mary. Okay. Better late than never. The story belonged a couple... The story belonged in last month, but we're going to talk about spam. God damn it. <laughs> spam. The word alone brings images to our brains. Some good, some not so good. Meat in a can. Special army meat. Meatloaf without basic training. <laughs> the ham that didn't pass its physical. So many ways to refer to this <clears throat> gelatinized blob of... Pink maybe beet crammed into a tin can. 
Oh, spam. Shoulder of pork and ham. Or maybe spam spiced ham. I don't know. It's a Hawaiian delicacy, though. Shares its name with those annoying emails you don't want. It comes in a can. It's made of um, some kind of meat, maybe. Maybe. Whether you grew up eating it and still do, or whether you've merely eyed it suspiciously in a supermarket aisle, you've probably found yourself wondering, what is spam? I'll get there. I'll get there. Okay. Got you covered. George Hormel started the food manufacturing company in 1891. He began selling canned ham in 1926. He retired in 1928, and his son Jay took over the reins of the company. Now, his canned ham was not spam. It was actually other companies started copying their ham in a can idea, and Jay knew that they needed some fresher ideas. Something no one else was doing. Kind of like the Detroit Lions. <laughs> <coughs> and under Jay's leadership, Dinty More Beef Stew came into being, and spiced ham in a can made its... Hormel brought us this, air quotes, deliciously tasty treats on July 5th of 1937. The reason? They're trying to increase the sales of pork shoulder because apparently in the 1930s it wasn't selling so well and towards the end of the great depression spam helped fill a really large need for inexpensive meal and meat products and its popularity only grew it cemented its place in the culinary world during the second world war due to its ability to be stored for long periods of time because spam has a shelf life of years without years and we'll get to that too Ingredients are really pretty straightforward. It has some pork with ham, and isn't pork part of the ham? Or I was just gonna it come say from that the same animal. Pork and ham are the same thing. It well, has... like here's the thing. Listen, <clears throat> all ham is pork, but not all pork is ham. Okay, all right. Yeah, some of it's bacon, 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 bacon. Anyway, spam has some salt, some water, potato starch, sugar, and sodium nitrate. That acts as a preservative. Now, while the ingredients are pretty straightforward, the name is actually a little less so. Because in 1937, Hormel held a competition to name this new product. The winning choice, Spam, was suggested by a man by the name of Ken Dagnew, whose brother was a vice president of Hormel. Hmm. Did he win a lifetime supply of Spam? He won a cash prize of $100, which I think is the better option. Seems like this naming competition may have been something of an inside job. As for why spam was chosen and what it means, we really can only guess. It appears in all capitals on all official product materials. But nowhere on the site that spam has does it say that it's an acronym for anything. And if you check out their frequently asked questions site, you will find what does this spam brand name mean. That is one of them. And the answer is a little vague. The significance of the spam brand name has long been a subject speculation. That's the answer? The real answer is known by only a small circle of former Hormel food executives. So they're keeping the mystery alive. The mystery, mystery. Now each year, are you wondering why we're talking about spam? Mary, with you, I've learned not to wonder much of anything. Each year, spam enthusiasts can head to Austin, Minnesota, home of Hormel's headquarters. Or they go to Honolulu, home of the staggering spam consumption statistics. Why? For Spam Jam, of course. Carnival-like celebration of all things Spam is held during the first week of July in Austin and the last week of April in Honolulu. So you could go to both of them. The first festival was held 
1990, spread to Hawaii 12 years later. Festivals span a six-day period, and those who attend get games and carnivals and parades and fireworks, and of course, spam in its many varieties. And don't forget to sign up for the spam fritters eating competition or to wear your spam can costumes because otherwise you will definitely stand out in the crowd without a costume. There's souvenirs to buy during this six-day period. Hats, t-shirts, flip-flops, and so much more. The really cool thing about Spam Jam is that the profits go to support local nonprofit organizations within the community. Food banks, community centers, and visitor centers. The money stays in the community and gives back to the community that it came from, which I thought. That is pretty cool. This, to me, is a great example to set for other big businesses. Now, while you're at the festival, don't forget to introduce yourself to Sir Canelot, the company's characters. He'll be wandering around. How will I know him? You, all... you will know him. How will I know him from all the other people in costume? He's a knight. Oh, he's a knight. He's shining. The picture in my head is not pretty. I went to the spam website. I'll admit it. I was a little curious. And I found out that there are now 11 regular varieties. Hot and spicy, teriyaki, jalapeno, Portuguese, casino seasoning, bacon, hickory smoke, and oven roasted I'm going to buy your husband a can of bacon spam for Christmas. And it will sit in our house, I'm sure, like another can we will talk. And every once in a while, like a really special occasion, come out with a new flavor. Well, it's seasonal, if you will. And in the past, we have been teased with pumpkin spice. Oh, God. Golden honey grail. Maui snow. Garlic. Pineapple. Macadamia nut. Hawaiian rainbow. Are you trying to see if you can make me throw up? And if that's not enough to get your palpatory juices flowing, this year's seasonal flavor is something new and exciting. And I just, I don't have enough words to describe it to you, mostly because I have lost the ability to form words right now. <laughs> and I'm actually referring to the uh, 2020. I'm afraid. Anyway, a little ginger, cinnamon, nutmeg, cloves, and allspice. If you combine that with some fig and orange flavors, you bring the world Figgy Pudding Spam. Oh my God. Available at Spam.com, Amazon, and your local Walmart. The only places you can order it. Oh, for the love of God. You, too, can try this soon-to-be-a-collector's-item Spam flavor. No. I lied. (laughs) Don't get your hopes up. Do not get your hopes up. By early December of 2022, Figgy Pudding Spam had sold out everywhere. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I never stop shaking my head at what people will buy. Now, not being familiar with figgy pudding in the light in the slightest, I had to jump down that rabbit hole too. So figgy pudding actually originated way back in the 14th century Britain as a way to preserve food. It's a soup-like dish, or it was. It was prepared as a feasting meal for the Christmas season. Beef and mutton were mixed with raisins, prunes, wine, and spices. We actually talked about figgy pudding at one point because now give us our figgy pudding. Yeah, it's very alcoholic. (laughs) Nowadays, figgy pudding typically includes some breadcrumbs, eggs, brown sugar, raisins, currants, orange peel, nutmeg, cloves, allspice, and alcohol. Figs have never actually been an official ingredient of figgy pudding. So weird. Nor, Nor is it really a pudding. It's kind of like a really heavy cake. And according to the Smithsonian, it's also not really known why carolers demand people bring us our figgy pudding and bring it right here, nor why they refuse to go until they got some. So what was the spam version of figgy pudding like? 
That's a good question. Because it sold out, I couldn't get my hands on any. I had to rely on other people's opinions to answer this question. And according to Nick O'Malley, this is what Nick said, quote, Figgy pudding spam is an unnerving look, looking meat cake that tastes like winter spiced sausage filling. The worst part about it is that I cannot say that it's bad. Pillar of pernicious pink protein is problematic at its presentation. It looks like a naked eldritch horror that was beached on a kitchen counter after accidentally being summoned out of an ancient grimoire cookbook written in actual Hell's Kitchen by Demogorgon Ramsey. Nick goes on to say it's like a cross between a fruitcake and a meatloaf with some Big Newton vibes. Oh my God. The meat has a surprisingly tactful flavor that bounces around between savory, sweet, and nutty. You can pick up flavors of cinnamon and nutmeg in the spices. You also get notes of date and fig, sort of what you get in a bread pudding. The weirdest part of all is that there is a noticeable aura of preserved orange. However, because we looked at one side, we have to look at the other side. And Emily Hell from the Washington Post had a differing opinion. And we're being fair, so we have to listen to both sides. So as Nick did, Emily cut into the delicacy and cut it into slabs and she pan fried it. She said she bit into it and was, quote, hit by an intense fake orange flavor that's brought to mind those horrifically dyed and colored candy fruits that somehow make their way into objectionable holiday sweets. And this was backed by a discordant chorus of baking spices. She continued with, this was, I'm sure, the product of an unholy eggnog-fueled tryst between a hot dog and a fruitcake. There are no good tidings. And if you have a tin of Spam figgy pudding, you should pitch it directly into the trash where it belongs. <laughs> well, that's kind of the end of my story of Spam figgy pudding, but we have some family history here. God. <clears throat> yes, my family has a small, slightly insignificant, but amusing history with Spam. For years, a niece of ours would come to visit in the summer for several weeks, and she and I, along with Han and her daughter, would traverse this great state of ours in search of adventures and knowledge and new experiences. We found them aplenty, and the memories we created with those two girls was amazing, to say the least. We always went new places. We met new people. We learned new things. And always learned to do, make, something new. The one year, the girls were staying in my home, and they wanted to create a treasure map, which turned into a scavenger hunt which turned into researching and writing clues about a can of Spam, which we snuck into Hannah's home when she was not there. That is true. Why we picked Spam, I don't know. I don't remember. But the girls had a lot of fun with this little project, creating a, a backronym out of Spam. A backronym. Good word, huh? I had to really oh, research to find that word. They created 10 mysterious clues. They created a diversion to get her out of her home. Snuck in, hid the clues, the can of spam being the treasure at the end of the. Do you remember where they hid the spam? Under your pillow. Under my pillow. So Whatever. You can sleep with it. It's what every woman wants to sleep with. A can of spam. It's what every woman wants in her bed. <laughs> oh. At some point in time after this, the can of spam ended up being hidden in my home without my knowledge, and it sat here in a quiet though desolate box, up on a shelf, all alone in the dark for an unspecified amount of time. And when the lovely, lonely can eventually did come to light, it had been slightly dented. And the discovery came to light that spam does not last forever. The dent in the can had created a small opening that the no longer pink, gelatinous substance had oozed out of. 
and the result was not pleasing to the nose. The scent bouquet did not find a wel welcoming committee in my olfactory al scents. And on April 19th of 2017, my Facebook post read like this, quote, to my darling family. This post involves the history of spam and the future of it in my home. And FYI, when a can of spam gets knocked around in its hiding place, you know who you are. The can gets dented in multiple spots, and in this condition, cans of spams do not last forever. I now have personal experience with this. They are slightly smelly, gooey, and just kind of icky. This particular can will no longer be passed within the family, as it now has a new home. I am sorry to break the spam tradition, but it really had to go. Just another life lesson I felt needed to be shared. Some things are better when you don't keep them to yourselves. P.S. Good hiding spot, whoever you are. So here's the thing. Before it ended up in your house, it ended up in our sister's suitcase. It like it it really did. It traveled through across the country. It traveled between homes. Yeah, it was a well-traveled can. It, it definitely was. It wasn't like I took it from my bedroom and hid it in Mary's home. Oh, no, no. It, it was a very well-traveled can of Spam. No one ever claimed responsibility for this. And to this day, I don't know which girl hid it there, although I have my suspicions. And if they stay silent for any longer, I'm pretty sure the statute of limitations will have run out. Probably. Yeah. Biggie Pudding Spam. Oof, that's the whole thing that started that story. Could not get my hands on a can either. People buy it, save it, so they can sell it on auction. It goes for a lot of money. It's stupid. That's insane. You know, I'm soon headed out of the country. Yes. Would you like to take a can of Spam and leave it somewhere? No, but I was, I was considering I might have to browse the local stores in that country to see what kind of really bizarre shit I can bring back oh, to yeah. talk about on the air. Oh, that's good, yeah. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, good plan. Might have to make a little shopping trip. Yeah, you always should anyway. Well, I frequently do, but um, but this time I'll have a goal in mind. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. That'll be fun. All right. It was a fun story. Oof. Kind of disgusting. I threw up a couple times in my mouth. I'm sure you did. But the look on your face made it all worthwhile. Here's the thing. Like, you were talking about the different flavors of Spam. And, like, the pineapple spam, I was like, okay, that one almost makes sense. Well, pineapple and ham go together. Right, right, exactly. And there was one other one that you named that I was like, yeah, I could kind of see that. But when you started rattling off the uh, the ingredients, the flavor profile of the figgy, I thought <laughs> you were going to be like gingerbread. And I was going to be like, what? Don't know. I couldn't find, like, who started it, who comes up with the new flavors. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Man. There's a spam museum. I know there is. I've always spam want, gift shops. I do want to go to Hawaii someday. Hopefully in the not too distant future. I hear it's very expensive. Um, it depends on how you go and what you do. And you know that I don't do the touristy thing. Neither one of us do. If you're going to go to Hawaii and do the touristy thing, yes, it can be very. Um, but yes, I, I do at some point hope to make it to Hawaii. Who knows what I will find there. Never know. I might find a spam festival. Ooh. I might find spam jam. The end of April. I think it's the end of April in Hawaii. So you said. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us. If you happen to be one of the lucky people, or unlucky, in my opinion, 
who got your can hands on a can of figgy pudding spam and you have opened it and tried it we would love to hear your thoughts and comments on it yeah we would hell yes yeah in the meantime thanks for being here with us we love you have a great week and stay mischievous bye Thank you for being a friend Travel down a road and back again Your heart is true, you're a pal and a confidant I'm not ashamed to say I hope it always will stay this way My hat is off, won't you stand up and take a bow
We here at Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know really appreciate the time you spent with us today. Hopefully you learned something unusual today. You can find us on Facebook at Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know or at tmsidntk at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at tmsidntk, which are the initials for the title. Suggestions, ideas, comments, corrections, send them our way. We take them all. If you enjoyed your short stop with us, please feel free to follow the podcast. Leave us a rating and review. That lets us know how we're doing and helps others to find us. This podcast is hosted by a couple of sisters who research, write, and edit their own stories. All other editing and production is done by Mary Swartz, and the original artwork was created by Hannah Green.